must remember this A kiss is still a kiss A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental things apply Hello, welcome to T. Hanks for the Memories. I am your host, Darren. Today we are deep into Tom Hanks' golden period. We're on film number two, uh, Sleepless in Seattle, uh, released on the 25th of June, 1993. Uh, For those who listened to the previous episode, of course, um, they will be aware that around this time, uh, A League of Their Own had a TV series that was very briefly on, and Tom Hanks directed one of the episodes, and it was not very good. And of interest, his wife in this film, his deceased wife, spoiler alert for literally the first minute of this film, um, was played by Carrie Lowell, who is also in the League of Their Own TV series. She took on the Gina Davis role. Um, So that is an odd connection. Everybody loved this film. Uh, It made tons of money. It got 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience agreed and it also got 75%. And it's at 6.8 on IMDb. Um, And Tom won the Oscar. Not for this film. For the next film that he does. Um, and joining me to talk about it, I have Daniel Ifland. G'day. And I have Andrew and Kestra Doraski. Hello. 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 Welcome to the podcast. Daniel, of course, is returning from Turner and Hooch. Um, ruff, ruff. <laughs> yeah. For me, I remember, I remember this as being like the start of like, I don't know what we're going to call it, like Tom Hanks fever. Um, he had been away for a few years. He did a league of their own, obviously the year before this, but... You know, it takes him half an hour to show up in that film. And it's not really a Tom Hanks film. It's mostly about, you know, the ladies. Um, And so this feels like the first kind of return to, um, you know, Tom kind of headlining a film um, since probably I would say Turner and Hooch for most of the public, because obviously Joe versus the Volcano and Bonfire of the Vanities were not hits. They did not make money. And the same was also true, I think, of Radio Flyer, which Tom had a cameo in in 1992, which I am not covering. I discussed that on the previous episode. Um, So this is the first time really since Turner and Hooch that people were kind of going to the cinemas to see Tom Hanks in a film. Um, And then obviously from this point for the next few years, it is Tom Hanks left, right and centre. Like I said, he won the Oscar at the Oscars the following year, not for this film, of course, but for Philadelphia, uh, which will be um, the next episode, I think. Um, and so, uh, which, you know, odd that he's in two films that have the names of cities in them, um, back to back, but he does. Um, and as we'll find out in this film, Nora Ephron loves nothing more than showing you a landmark so you know which city you are definitely in. Yeah, so I mean, I remember this coming out, but I didn't see it at the cinema. Um, but I remember seeing it on TV a couple of times, but I'm going to be honest with you, this morning is probably the first time that I've watched it all the way through in about 15 years, something like that. Um, so, you know, not that I don't like the film, you know, I think Tom's great in this film, uh, you know, not to give away my rating at the end, but, you know, and, and I think obviously Meg Ryan is delightful. Um, and, you know, this is obviously pairing them back up after they had done Joe versus the Volcano and, you know, obviously Nora Ephron will bring them together one more time. Um, so, you know, really, you know, like I kind of only have vague memories, you know, this, obviously it was a huge hit, made a ton of money. Um, and I think everyone kind of remembers um, the, the kind of setup at the end, which is obviously stolen from a different film. <laughs> so, um, you know, Nora Ephron kind of, um, you know, stealing from a good film to kind of uh, to, for the kind of climax of the film. Um, so that's about as much as I remember of seeing this film. Like I said, today's probably the first time I've properly watched it through for quite a while. So 
Um, I will say, Andrew and Kestra, do either of you remember the first time that you saw this film? Um, or, you know, your connection to this film in any particular way? Or there must be a reason why you signed up to talk about it. Uh, well, it came out before I was born. The year before I was born. So not too long before I was born. But uh, the year before I was born. And I don't remember seeing it growing up. It's possible I saw it. I'm sure my parents definitely saw it. But I do remember that the first time I watched it was in, within or what I believe to be the first year, time I watched it was within the last five years with Andrew and Andrew showed it to me. So it's oh, more go. impactful for me because this was my family's Valentine's day tradition. Um, like my, my parents had a oh, tradition okay. where um, my mom had a, a type of chocolate cake that she would make and we would watch sleepless in Seattle. So I've seen it probably dozens of times. Um, and it's just been kind of, one of those foundational ones for me since I was a kid, um, seeing it on a constant rotation. I was going to say there is some debate maybe at the beginning of the film that maybe this is a Christmas movie, but I think, you know, the setting at the end makes it clear that it's mostly a Valentine's Day movie, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you could um, certainly have arguments about the, the Christmassiness of it, but I mean, they spend as much time focused on New Year's, and probably more time focused on New Year's, than they do on Christmas. Oh, yeah. There's just things that are occurring around Christmas. Yeah, Nora Ephron obviously seems to have a weakness for um, films that are set near New Year's. Mm -hmm. um, you know, or or even films that are set near Christmas as she, well. She uses, like, time in her films in a way that I think is maybe less common, like giving time to the relationships. And it feels weird to say for Sleepless in Seattle that there's time given to the relationship <laughs> because they only have one scene together, really. Um, maybe one and a half. Um, and so it's not like they're building a relationship like with sleepless or, uh, like with you've got mail, you know, over the course of like nine months, they're actually developing a relationship. Whereas in this one, it's three months of getting to the start of a relationship. I can take it that sleepless in Seattle is like a huge film in Australia and everyone watches it every Valentine's day or every Christmas or... Um, no, I mean, I, I don't think those sort of traditions <laughs> exist here, but I definitely saw this in high school and it has had a, along with a few other movies and absolutely solid run on free to air television here. We sort of have three commercial channels plus a couple of, uh, a government channels, but on one of those three, uh, free to air channels, channel nine, it has been relentlessly played now since it went to television in the mid nineties. So yeah, this is in the cinemas for me and I would have. I would have seen this dozens of times as well, um, many, many times. Where it in when Harry Met Sally are sort of just constantly on rotation um, here, and I, uh, I would get sucked in every time I see them. Definitely uh, interesting, of course. You know, this is the first of two times that Tom will work with Nora Ephron within, you know, what I am terming the Golden Fourteen. There are a few directors that Tom kind of works with more than once, um, and it's unusual that uh, that like Nora Ephron is one of those. <laughs> um, Although I would say this about Tom Hanks, this is obviously, you know, like the, the second uh, prominent uh, woman director that he's worked with after working with Penny Marshall a couple of times. Obviously, the previous film was also directed by her. Um, and so, you know, I, I you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously he, you know, he he works with a lot of like high profile directors. So it's it's interesting that kind of like Nora Ephron and uh, Penny Marshall kind of are also in the mix of him working with like, you know, Steven Spielberg and. Rob Zemeckis and Frank Darabont like you've got all these kind of like very kind of male um you know big Hollywood directors and, and in the middle of that um you've got what I'm I mean I personally think that because obviously uh, you know this is definitely a romantic comedy um and I think 
there's kind of this weird reputation that Tom Hanks has of kind of being in romantic comedies. But I don't think that he was ever really, um, not in the same way as, say, someone like Matthew McConaughey, he was never kind of in romantic comedies. Like, um, you know, there's not really any of his films from the 80s where he is meeting someone, apart from, I would say, Big. Splash, I guess. Yeah, Splash would be. Yeah, but I mean, he just basically meets her and they get together and that's it. Like, you know... The, right. The, like there aren't really that many obstacles, apart from the fact that obviously she's a well, mother. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, correct, correct. One, but but you know, and they <laughs> they do have like the second act arg- argument. But kind of after that, there's not really any of his other films. I mean, I guess you could say the other, you know, the first film that he starred in with his wife, who obviously makes a, 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 a an extended cameo here, um, getting very emotional over <laughs> an affair to remember. Um, you know, volunteers. I guess you could say that was a romantic comedy, but it's more of a goofball comedy, really. Like there's there's kind of wacky stuff in that. That's it's not really about the romance between him and Rita Wilson. It's about a lot of other kind of moving parts. Um, you know, and the same is true of something like Joe versus the volcano. What, I mean, that has more of the a kind of fairy tale kind of um, you know kind of feel to it rather than a traditional romantic comedy. Although obviously he does end up with Meg Ryan at the end of that film as well. Um, although there's three Meg Ryans in that film, which is something that I discussed. It's a bit of an oddity. Um, but yeah, I mean, after this, you know, straight away, he's not in a romantic comedy. And then, you know, apart from You've Got Mail, it's very hard to think of him, you know, kind of doing something that is that kind of um, the archetypal romantic comedy where it is. And by that, I mean the the kind of the comedy where the two main people have an obstacle to overcome. Which in this is obviously being on different sides of the country and also one of them being in a relationship, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, so I guess that's something that's more common in romantic comedies is, you know, is the fact that one of the people is always in a relationship with someone who is terrible. Although, you know, we can talk about the merits of Walter as we go through the film. Um, but, you know, I mean, when Harry met Sally, I feel he's kind of the start of this whole kind of romantic comedy thing that was kind of big for about I don't know, 20, 25 years and has kind of died off in recent times. Very specific with Nora Ephron, though, and I'm sure we'll speak about this, but all three of her movies, well, the big ones, yeah. the When Harry Met Sally, Sleeps Us in Seattle, and You've Got Mail, uh, none of them are actually in a full-blown romantic relationship and finished until the very end. The With the latter two specifically, they actually aren't romantically attached in any physical way until the very end when Harry Met Sally goes yeah. through some... Um, trials and tribulations but it's just an interesting way that she frames all of those relationships i mean obviously um uh, when harry Matsele, of course written by Nora ephraim but by directed by one of the co-stars in this film rob reiner um and this is i think the only time that i can recall tom hanks working with rob reiner unless anybody can remember any of the other films where he does that i don't i don't know of any yeah and in a league of their own obviously his daughter is in that uh, and plays uh betty spaghetti um, so, and obviously, um, I think Rob Reiner was married to Penny Marshall at some point. So, um, you know, Tom has obviously worked with them. So he's familiar with the, uh, the Reiner Marshall family. Um, and funny enough, this is also the second time that he's working with Rosie O'Donnell. Although of course their characters never meet in this film, uh, which I thought was quite funny. Um, and the same is true of, um, uh bill pullman as well that's right of course was also in the league of their own yeah i had not thought about that as as like two films 
so close together, but it's like, oh yeah, that's three people. I mean, he's 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 barely. The funny thing is, he's barely in a league of yeah. their own. He's in like two scenes in a league of their own, and he only says about four words to Tom Hanks, where he's like, you know, I'm Gina Davis's husband. He's like, oh, nice to meet you. That's like that's literally it. Like, there's no there's no real interaction with them. Of course, they don't meet in this film either. So, hmm. uh, I don't know if Tom Hanks has got something against working with Bill Pullman, but yeah, you know. yeah. The, I mean, and this film's so weird with that because it like it is functionally like two separate films until the last scene. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. And, and and I guess that is something that, I mean, uh, you know, there are some other like uh, romantic comedies that I can think of that operate in that same way where they have the two leads and they are effectively, you know, in completely different films until, you know, they kind of, you know, they meet each other and, you know, sometimes that happens like a third the way through and sometimes it doesn't happen until the end. Um, so, and also it's worth noting as well that obviously Rosie O'Donnell and Rita Wilson and Gabby Hoffman all worked together in the film, uh, which would come out in 1995, called Now and Then. Um, and I cannot remember who... I don't think... No, I think Gabby Hoffman played the child version of Demi Moore in that. And Christina Ricci was the uh, the Rosie, uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Um, and Flora Birch played a young Melanie Griffith, which is a, an odd combination. But I would, I would also say to people, you should watch Now and Then. It's a really good film. Uh, but yeah, it's just unusual that Gabby Hoffman is kind of, I don't know, her role in this is, is kind of weird. Uh, but we'll get into it as we meet her. Um, but yeah, I mean... Where's the real stuff in life to cling to? Love is the answer. Someone to love is the answer Once you found her Build your world around her Make someone happy Make just one someone happy And you will be happy too 